I had an FAA license to deliver cremated remains via drone, even though I didn't own a drone. I've never flown one, nor had any interest in flying one. They're zipping around all around Nashville, uh, cremated remains yeah. just sprinkled all over everyone. It's rain and cremated remains. everyone happy new year yes this is coming out in the new year jeff we're doing it before christmas but it's coming out in awesome. a couple weeks uh jeff friedman is coming to us from tennessee here today long long lived funeral director has done a bunch of stuff throughout the industry in different ways has owned his own funeral home now he's with park lawn has a ton of knowledge and has a lot of experience doing some interesting marketing ideas for the funeral homes that he's been at a lot of good business things that we could pick up here today so if you're interested in that sort of stuff we're going to dive deep into it and then everything else in funeral service so jeff how you doing today what's going on doing great don't have any snow yet so we're, we're doing solid we're ready for christmas though yeah tennessee you're not gonna have it actually it's supposed to be 50 something here in chicago which will be a, a nice that's treat beautiful uh, yeah great that's for sure uh, how do you like it down in Nashville? What's going on down there? What do you got going? You know, Nashville is actually probably one of the best funeral markets I've been in. It's really? going through so many changes right now. Um, you know, the conglomerates have really come in strong in the last several years. Yeah. So it's it's really neat to see how this state adjusts to what used to be pretty much an untouched state with the exception of Service Corporation International. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Why do you think... People have gone so heavy into the Nashville and all of Tennessee. What is it that the corporations are seeing and what changes have you seen since you've been there? Yeah, I think just like any other town, the population growth, the amount of transplants is tripling and bringing all new industry and professions here. Sure. So it really is a great market to be a part of. Um, it's still one of the more reasonable markets financially to yeah. live in mm -hmm. um although every day that sends, tends to drop a little bit more but um so it's really just been interesting to watch multi-family multi-generational funeral homes be sold to corporations with the family still active in the funeral home this isn't yeah people aren't selling and then getting out they're selling and staying in yeah so what it's do you been think? really cool to watch what do you think the reasoning is for that? Like, I understand it, but I'd like to know from your point of view, or at least I would understand if like my family were to ever go down that road, I would totally understand and be like, this would be a good option potentially for you. So tell me from yeah. their point of view, why that's something that a lot of people are seeking nowadays. Yeah, you know, I, I think a COVID played a big role in the growth of any of the conglomerates. Okay. But I think one thing that really change for me with my own businesses with the price wars and you're no longer competing against the funeral down the street. You're competing against Google and yeah. And hospices are probably our biggest competition. I kind of got to the point where it's, I either need to decide who I'm going to buy or who I'm going to sell to. Yeah. Um, and decided the best thing for me to do. And I think other families are realizing best thing to do is sell. And yeah. still serve that community that they love, but financially, the headache's gone. I mean, right? It's that that overwhelming amount of pressure, and I know 
that my family has felt it for a long time too. It's you need to perform and that can weigh on you when, when all you're really trying to do at the end of the day is to help your families as best as you can. It's challenging to do all the different little aspects that it takes to run a business. And at the same time, be in the prep room, meeting with families, going on funerals, right. pulled so, so far apart. And I think that's something that you could really relate to too. So tell me about yeah. that. Um, that'd be awesome. Well, I, I tell you what, one thing is you and your family could work so hard all day in the prep room, making that removal at 2 a.m., meeting the family, delivering the best service. But to put it bluntly, there's some, some schmuck like me down the road who has a great, great website, but no facility. Yeah. But I'm able to hide that through other pictures on my website and my yep. messaging. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I'm 895 versus your two to 3,000. Yep. And unfortunately, the consumer doesn't know the difference. Right. And most consumers aren't going to know they're getting a bad deal until they're halfway through it. Yeah. Because they haven't done this before. Yeah, it's so hard because people oftentimes, we all know this, we're dealing with someone that may have, has, may have never gone through a loss before. So they're, yeah. they're not as knowledgeable as maybe someone that has. I think there is a good thing that um, a lot there's been a lot more of a knowledgeable consumer, uh, especially the past probably five or 10 years, you can find any sort of information you could ever ask for. And that's helping some people, but still you can definitely window wash is the way I would put it, where it's like, right. there's a mask where you don't know what's really going on. And that's really challenging uh, for a small family funeral home or any small firm. Like, how do I distinguish myself? I I'd love to know yeah. your take on that. Well, one thing I do, I, whenever I do a hospice talk, you know, you always have to supply lunch to get in front of any hospice group. Of course. My food's the magical thing. <laughs> but I always set up two bottles of water. One, just a generic Kroger brand bottle of water. And then I set up Fiji water. Okay. And sure enough, as I'm talking, I'll notice that every hospice person has a bottle of Fiji water in front of them. No kidding. So here's the deal. The water's the water just like cremation is cremation, but yet they chose the $2 bottle over the 99 cent bottle. Yeah. You know, so it is about packaging. It is about reputation. Mm -hmm. It is about uniqueness. Um, so I really try to find different methods to show we make irrational brand loyalty decisions every day. Right. Um, and we trust that better, better looking bottle, the square bottle, you know, so that funeral home that's been around generations, we've come to trust them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we can't allow that Kroger brand water to become your referral just because the family doesn't know who to choose. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all about branding and the way you're putting yourself in the marketplace and the way uh, people, every, every single person coming through your door is something that you're in essence advertising to in a roundabout way. So if you're right. able to do things in a, in a way that's going to impress people just walking through your door, they're going to remember that. And they're going to, if the time ever does come, it could be 10 years down the road there, they could potentially remember that and say, Hey, this is where I want to go. I don't want to go to generic. I want to go to some place that is in front of the people and they're doing the right things and they're running it the right way. That's the yeah. big difference. You got to think about it like your clothing too. It's the same thing. I can buy this t-shirt and it'll have no brand on it and that's worth 99 cents, but they put a little swoosh 
on the left chest and now it's worth 29.99 so yeah. it's, it's the same sort of thing we have to be able to put ourselves in the marketplace and say we are a high-end brand we are the ones that are going to give you the best service and it's going to be quality you can guarantee it that's what the little trademark that little thing it means right. everything it's a 30x thing yeah and and i know that I'm, I'm going to be the most hated funeral director for saying this let's do it the consumer doesn't care if you're independently owned or not the only people that care if you're independently owned are other funeral homes interesting okay because the consumer Elaborate. is not going to ace hardware down the street anymore they're going to home depot yeah. You know, they're not going to the local grocery store. They're going to Kroger and Publix. Yeah. And Jewel. You know, the idea of brand is exactly what you were just talking about. How do you get your uniqueness and your brand out there on something relevant to them? Right. Yes. Um, and I'm not bashing privately owned funerals. I think they're great, but they're, they have more to advertise than independently owned. I, I remember... My father one time was, somebody asked him how his boys were doing, and he said, oh, my oldest one's doing great in football. My other one has great grades, and Jeff, well, he's breathing. And I'm like, wow, if that's the best compliment you could give me, I've done something wrong. So if the only thing you have to advertise is family-owned, and that's your brand, that's a hard thing to sell to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I see both sides to it, of course. Uh, yeah. The brand is, it, that's something that it's, it's a, it's a relatable thing. It's a confidence thing, especially when someone's going through a loss, they want their loved one in the best care possible. So if you have that association, like you'd have at your funeral home with Park Lawn, whoever else, it doesn't matter what firm, like they're all working on branding these things. It, it, it gives them that confidence. At the same time, I do see the other point of view where people are like, I want to have that family firm take care of me because it's it's that love, it's that connection. They feel like they're going to have care. But yeah. you, for example, you have sort of a combination between the two things, which I think would be the best of both worlds situation, maybe. Yeah. So I, I personally, you know, our value is ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our value is what we do and how we treat the family. Um, and I think I'm a great funeral director and independently owned. And I think I'm a great funeral director, corporate owned. Yep. Um, because in my heart, I'm going to treat each family the same, mm -hmm. whether policy or quotas or anything. Yeah. Um, but I think where I really shined as independent was I really promoted our uniqueness. Okay. Um, and that's hard to do. I'm there. And I, learned it from watching these two fence builders. There's a great story about two guys that have a company that builds fences. Okay. And one of the guys has over 75% of the market share Yeah. and they're trying to figure out how, and he's like, well, it's easy. I tell families I use stainless steel nails. And the other guy goes, we all do. I you have to this. use that. <laughs> he's like, it doesn't matter. I tell people I use it. Wow. In the little, and that's how he got the trust. So, it, it's you got to shout your uniqueness and make it special to them. I, I love that. It's a perfect transition too, because I want to talk about some of the things you've done in your career um, that ha are different and unique to your funeral homes that you own and you work with. So tell us some of those experiences that you had to distinguish yourself and show the industry in a different way, because yeah, 
you have to separate yourself in some way, shape or form. You can't just be doing the same old thing that you've done for 40 years. It won't work forever. Like, you know, right. we know it deep down, but it's just the easy route sometimes. And I understand it because we're so, so freaking busy every day doing the stuff. So, but anyway, yeah. I could go on a tangent on, on that forever. Let me hear some of the stories and things that you've had to, to promote your funeral home. Well, let me tell you, my, I became a funeral director because I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and my dad wouldn't allow me to do that. I had to go to college. So I took all death courses to make him mad. Um, <laughs> and now and, you're making jokes in the arrangement room. <laughs> right. And now I found the funeral profession through all that. But so when it came to advertising my funerals, I really took a different approach. I kind of took the Chick-fil-A method of a, we were a funeral home that promoted life. And we wanted to be around where people weren't expecting us. So whether no it was at a Pope show. On Sundays. What's that? And no visitations on Sundays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> way. <laughs> but, you know, so we knew we had to be a little bit louder, a little bit crazier sure. to get noticed. Um, we didn't have any heritage behind us. Um, so I really started looking at what people were paying attention to. So as soon as the Bitcoin thing came out, yeah. I tell you what, we put news release after news release out that we're the first funeral to accept Bitcoin has payment. Love it. Genius. The great thing is, I didn't even know what Bitcoin was, how much it was worth or anything. <laughs> like had a family come to me, I would have no idea. <laughs> but the media loved that. Bit what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were constantly looking for different angles of what to keep us, you know, in front of people. Right. Yeah. What, what are some, what are some other things? I, I, so, I guess, I guess maybe I want to talk about that one first, because that's really smart. It was all the talk for a long period of time. Obviously it's still very prevalent, but even more so when there was that big boom, I think two years ago or three years ago at whatever point it was, Yeah. what would you have done if, if someone actually came up to me like, Yo, I got like, I got five Ethereum. What can you do for me? <laughs> yeah, I would have been on Google right away. What's, what's this worth? Not knowing anything about it. But you know what? At that time, if I could have turned into a media thing, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when I remember Domino's came out with a big ad that they were going to deliver pizzas via drone. Right. Yeah, vaguely. And, yeah. And within days, I had an FAA license to deliver cremated remains via drone, even though I didn't own a drone. I've never flown one, nor had any interest in flying one. They're zipping around all around Nashville, uh, cremated remains yeah. just sprinkled all over everyone. It's raining cremated remains. But we had to stay relevant to people. And we did do the traditional advertising. We advertised in the newspaper. Yep. But we advertised in the sports section and in the business section. We didn't go with the traditional obituary page. Smart, yeah. Um, we oh, your ads. I'm sure you had some unique creative ones. If you're oh, we had in, in the sports section. Not only did we advertise free parking at our funeral home, but we also had you know. Then I hate, you couldn't do it today, but like ladies that just had the sign saying "Check our ashes, check out our ashes." <laughs> um, Stuff that made people stop and think. Yeah. You know, like, did they really just say that? Yeah. Um, and we knew it was a great ad if people called and complained. We, we, we did the Howard Stern method. The more people that complained, the more we were killing it. It was awesome. I'm totally um, with you on that. I was, yeah. uh, I, I was with a, a good buddy last night and we were, he actually works, um, 
in in sports he he does a lot of the advertising in game like commentary things like that and he said the same exact thing he's like we would rather someone have like a crazy reaction like this is stupid like what are they doing than somewhere in the middle that's very vanilla no one's going to think second guess even even bring it to their mind ever again so he said yeah. you have to do stuff that's going to showcase your work and be different be unique right and we i mean any way we could whether at chick we had business cards that had our logo on one side and on the other side said someone just made your day more distinctive <laughs> and paid for your drink and we started, you know, pay it forward lines at drive-thrus, at Starbucks, at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And these cards just became, I mean, people were calling us for them. No kidding. Um, so it was just neat to watch people's reactions to some of the crazy stunts we did. But let me tell you, we could have done those stunts and nobody would have ever noticed us. Mm -hmm. But we were smart enough to hire a PR firm. We were smart enough to hire a web company. Yep. To handle social media because we knew we didn't know what to do beyond the idea. Yeah. The execution, the, the follow. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the good thing was not only was I creative enough to have the ideas, I was stupid enough to try to do them. <laughs> but I had people in the background really promoting it and making it more than it really, you know, set out to be. Sure. Yeah. And we. Oh, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. We really interrupted the markets of Houston and Dallas. Um, we proved that through great advertising and a lot of it grassroots, a lot of our advertising was done until the police came and asked us to move. <laughs> um, but if we were able to show we could interrupt a market and gain volume over it, um, the hard part was now figuring out how to match my high standard of service because I love what I do yeah. with a with a comp competitive price. Right. Yeah. That's where this all kind of circled the toilet. I mean, it's, I couldn't. I have. I love this profession. I love what funeral directors do and the ability they have to serve their communities. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, why are you three times the cost of someone else? It's because I have to be, because this is my level yeah. of care. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't do all that at 895. No. Um, I just couldn't make it happen. No. If, um, you want, if you want that level of care, it takes the extra personnel. It takes the extra effort. There's plenty more costs that go behind it. And it's a lot of stuff is behind the scenes that people don't see, but they're going to feel it. That's a difference. Yeah. They're going to feel that difference. I wish it's just, it's so challenging from our point of view, because I'm as well, a big proponent of the high service, higher costs. That is my, my thing. I think that's right. the way we need to be because people are going to come in and have a good experience as opposed to like, if we're on that lower cost, we have to, we have to cut our budget. We have to do things as quick as possible, as efficiently as possible. Yeah. And we have to skimp in like, that gives people a sour taste in their mouth. Then the whole funeral industry, like people talk about because they have this sour taste. And it's unfortunate that we can't have a family go side by side and be like, yeah, this is what would be different. 
if you went down this path yeah. with your loved one, this is the difference you would go yeah. based on where you choose and the services you choose. And it's so hard to articulate that, but you have to as best you can. And and now we've done it to ourselves again. And in so many ways we've hurt ourselves, but when I go to conventions or when I meet other funeral professionals, mm -hmm. their first question is, how many calls a year do you do? Always, always. That is the first question. Yeah. I've never once been said, hey, what's your revenue? Right. And why don't I've we never do that? Been businesses? That. Why? I don't understand. Right. Like, why do we do that? Who cares? Like, if you're charging, Jeff, like you're saying, $8.95, I don't give a hoot. It's if a you're podcast. Doing, you're podcast. doing 300. Okay, you're doing yeah. 300. I can do the, the, a, a triple the level of work in better in every way. And I can do less than 100 and make the same amount in revenue. And I'm probably going to take home more too profit wise because you have to skimp at every dollar. You're trying to make $57 right. on every call where I'm trying to make two grand on my cremation or whatever it might be. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's just, not, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. These companies that are doing it online and have great advertising online, they're only as good as their last Facebook post because five postings later, they're going to be forgotten about. Yeah. If they ever stop spending money, they're out. Yeah. Um, as to our funeral homes, like your families, you already have reputation, you have foundation. So all you could do is just make it even more unique, even stronger. Yeah. Um, and your, your social media is even more important. Keep building. Right. Yeah. I don't want people to, to get me wrong. Like it's to each their own. Like if you are doing the cremation society route, like that there's, there's families that need that service. Like there's families that are financially strapped that they need that. And that's a beautiful, it's a great thing. I'm talking, this is a personal preference thing from a business point of view. Right. To me, it's a no brainer, which route that you need to go. And honestly, sometimes it's tough to not get stuck in the middle because we all have big hearts and that's yeah. the, the majority of us got into funeral service because we do, we have that right here. So it's like, we don't want to charge so much because we don't want it to, to be a, you know, a, something challenging on the family. They're already going through a hard time. So it's really hard to charge those prices, but you, at the same time, you don't want to do them a disservice by not performing our absolute best because we have to yeah. hold back in different ways, shapes or forms because of our prices. It's a full, it's a challenging line that we face, especially with the line of work that we do. It, it's right. like most challenging. We all know, hate asking for that credit card at the end of your arrangements. Everyone hates doing it. It's not yeah. a fun conversation, but it needs to be had. We're running a business after all, and that's okay. That's a good thing. That way we can serve. Right. Well, and I'm glad you said that because I have a lot of friends that have, you know, value sensitive funeral homes. Okay. And I applaud them every day because they opened up in today's market. They opened up. And when you open up in today's market, you have to compete on price mm -hmm. um, until you get your name established, until you get your standards, your reputation. Yeah. You have to compete on price. So there's some great people opening up right now that are playing a price game that will up the game as they go along. Ah, yeah. So um, you're, you're talking someone's getting the foot in the door. Yeah. New funeral home. And that's going to be so hard when, when there's funeral homes around 50 years, a hundred years. Yeah. That it's a very but, tough competition. Yeah. But the cost of entry into ownership now is probably at the lowest it's ever been. You know, I can either do virtual or I could do storefront. Okay, I can yeah. get my foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and grow my reputation. And yes, 
I'm going to have to bring him in on price and kill him on service and build my reputation one family at a time. Yeah. Um, so I do applaud those people and don't want to take anything away from them. No, not at all. Of course not. Right. A hustle. Uh, one of my, my good, good friends that's a funeral director, he actually bought one of our funeral homes um, close to where I live, actually. And he did the route of renting our funeral home. He did it for 15 yeah. years and he built up his business. And finally he was at a point, he was like, I want to take the plunge and like do this for myself. I want to do the real thing. And we were at a time where we were transitioning, uh, some retiring going on, blah, 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 like all that stuff. And you know, that's the way, the way of the game. It took him that, that long period of time, 15 years to build up enough business where he felt comfortable. He's like, okay, if I have this plus a full location, advertising the whole you name it i'm going to be okay so it does right. you know people don't want to hear that though because we we live in such a instantaneous uh culture where we all want it now 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 it takes time right. it takes effort and it takes a grind and you can't give up you absolutely well, can't because no. you're you're done now yeah so let's get back to marketing though let's do it because i gotta tell you i first came across you on TikTok. Oh God. Okay. And you know, learning what the longer casket crank was for 30 years, didn't realize what it was for, never oh. understood it. What um, a gift, what a gift I, I gave you learning about yeah. the, long, the long casket key. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my directors get irritated when they're like, hey, watch this TikTok. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but our consumer is watching. Yeah. And we could produce good commercials and with a good company they could get out. They could be relevant, educational, um, and not so much just about my funeral home and we're compassionate and we're caring. Um, the marketing has to change. Yawn. You know, yeah. Yawn. We have such an audience with hospice that to do a TikTok aimed at a hospice of, you know, three things not to say to somebody once their loved ones died. Yeah. You know, or what happens from the point of hospice to the funeral home, mm -hmm. you know, and involve the hospice. We have so many ways we could reach out now yeah, and partner with assisted livings and everything to really show a unity and a continuity of care between the two facilities. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're, that's part, part of the whole process, too. Yeah. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. And so the I, marketing has changed so much. Grassroots marketing used to be, you know, let's go hang some posters somewhere, and if they get torn down, no big deal. Yep. Now you get, there's no reason not to do grassroots. It's at your fingertips every day. Yep, absolutely. But you know when you outsource it, a you're getting great material, getting great content. But what you're getting is a consistency coach. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that is the greatest thing because, you know, I may do some Facebook postings, but then I get busy at the funeral home and you don't see me for a month. Yep. Yep. You know, there was no coach saying, hey, you got to get some content. Yeah. You know, you got to do this. You got So the consistency coach is really a benefit y'all offer um, that a lot of funerals may not recognize at first. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's so important. We miss- you have to stay on top of it. And like you yeah. said, Jeff, we get very distracted uh, and, and not for any reason other than that we're working hard. It's not like we're not doing anything. It's always the case that funeral directors are always you know, busting their, busting their chops, trying to get stuff done. And it's unfortunate that the biggest, most important things usually get put to the wayside. You know, we get caught up doing these little minute tasks and it's like, we need to focus on the bigger picture more times and, and really run things like a business. Like I love, I'm obsessed with funeral home marketing. I'm, I'm obsessed with business planning. I'm obsessed with growing businesses because I didn't realize it when I first started. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to make every removal. I'm going to embalm everybody. I'm going to meet with every family. Then I'm going to go online and advertise for us. I'm going to go into the community. I'm going to participate in every event. I'm going to do anything possible. Like I'm going to do every little thing that you can imagine. And I read books like, I don't know if you ever read E-Myth. It's one of the most infamous business books of all time. And his quote is, don't work in the business, work on the business. What does that mean? On the business means we're doing the big picture stuff that's going to guide the business to the future. So that way we're not having to do the little things like running around, getting death certificates, stuff like that, that we can hire out when we're making enough money. So that way we can continue to work on big stuff that's going to move the needle and continue the business forward. So you're not we get so distracted about doing these things and it's our passion, our love. But if we're trying to grow a business, we have to work on that business. Yeah. And just know, like when you see me put do a Canva post, it took me two hours to figure out that Canva post, <laughs> you know, two hours I didn't have, yep. but um, as to where a marketing company could pop that out for you yeah. while you're embalming on a removal, serving a family, it's just amazing. But the other reason that I really, I learned early in the game, not to read the comments. hundred percent. There are so many haters out there that the first time you post something, the haters just come out of the woodwork. They flock. Yeah. They smell yeah. blood and they're there. And if you read it, it gets in your head yeah. and prevents you from going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. And so, that's why I liked hiring out of service because whoever was hating was hating on them, not me. <laughs> um, not my But work. that was a hard thing to get over. And I think a lot of people can't get over that. A lot of funeral directors, when they post something, won't be able to get over a negative comment. Yeah. And they won't post again. Not worth your energy, not worth your time. People are, yeah. are going to be, they're, they're, they're just all over. They're haters. Yeah. They're so better to do and they're going to. They're going to come after you. Yeah. So I compare hiring out of service. When we first looked at it, it was expensive, but believe it or not, it was my receptionist that said, Hey, remember you didn't want that big photocopier for a thousand dollar a month lease. Yeah. But then once we got it, you loved it and you won't get rid of it now. Yeah. I was like, well, I didn't know I needed it. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. But I learned, and you'll hear me say it in any speech I do. 
strategic patience. Okay. If you can get involved with the campaign, three to six months. Don't do anything below that. You will not have a measurement. Yeah, you're not getting enough data to determine any sort of result. And yeah. So important. We we need to look at the the actual numbers and not be obsessed with having a slow week or something like that, that happens all the time in our business when we're marketing for funeral homes. It's, you know, if they have, if someone has a slow week, it's like, you gotta have your patience. You gotta like, you know, this stuff compiles over time and it gets bigger and better and better and better. And we're just, just like growing your business. Like we talked about earlier, Jeff, like you need the patience to see things through. And then when you see those results, you're like, oh, wow, like this, it's just like anything in life, really. It's, you need to build on what you're doing and become better and better. And when you look at yourself back 10 years, or just like in your career, I'm sure like when you could think back into when you were first licensed, you're a completely different funeral director, completely different business owner, marketer. Everything has got to be so yeah. drastically different. And that's the the compounding that happens. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was a gentleman who told me, if you're not embarrassed by what you were doing two, three months ago, then you're going in the wrong direction. Ooh, I like that. Um, I like that. So I always look back and like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't believe I thought that. But um, so it keeps you going. And I think I've been in the profession long enough, 30 plus years now. Yeah. To see all these great changes. Mm-hmm. And I know at some point I'm going to be looking at a young apprentice as an old man saying, you start the hologram. I don't even know how to get that thing going. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing to watch how fast we grow, but yet how stubborn we are to step out of our comfort zones, both financially and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. To grow our profession. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, especially when you're doing things the same way for a long time. It's just it's just the easier way. And the easier yeah. way is not the better way. It, it almost net like 99% of the time is not. Because things right. hurt a little bit before they get better and then they get way better. Then something's going to hurt again and then you improve and you're going to get better. That's the same deal as what we're oh. talking about. Yeah, and the one, the one thing I kind of get past, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, well, our, our customer won't like that ad or this is what we've been doing for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Truth yeah. is, no matter what you do, that customer that's been using you is still going to use you. Correct. So when I reach out on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, I'm looking for new customers. That's me fishing for new customers because I already got this one. Yeah, yeah. But I'm looking for a replacement ratio. I want to make sure that for every one person I buried today, that I have somebody for at least another year or so coming back to me. Right, right. It's about mm-hmm. accumulating more of that business as opposed to if you're doing your service correctly and to the best of your ability, those families are coming back. So if you're right. trying to grow, you need to expand into to new areas and find new people that you weren't targeting in the past. It's obviously still good to maintain that relationship, build it over time. That's huge, super important to do too. But if you want new business, you have to do new things too. Yeah, you know, I think it was Winnie the Pooh that said, make new friends, but keep the old one is silver and the other's gold. Yes, that's You know, look, anytime I could fit a quote for Winnie the Pooh into a business (laughs) podcast, I love it. That's a good deal. I'd love to know more about your career. So um, tell me about the early days and then where did you go and how did you get to where you are now? 
You know, when I first started in mortuary school in Dallas, mm-hmm. at that point, you know, the funerals had an A schedule or a B schedule. A was always be there, or B was be there all the time. Those were <laughs> your two choices. Right, right. Um, and I loved being a funeral director, and I got to learn from some of the best funeral directors. Um, you know, when I started my career in Dallas, in Chicago, probably worked for one of the most, I mean, innovative. Yeah. I mean, the guy I worked for in Chicago was on the forefront of everything. He was just incredible. He knew which direction the market was going. He knew how to act to get in front of it. Yeah. I mean, he was just a brilliant person with that. Yeah. Um, and I got to really work with him and learn a lot of that thing that nobody else would teach you because everybody else was teaching you stay, stay the course. Don't do this, do, do that. This guy was like, Hey, let's try it. Let's, let's just see what happens. Right. What's Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, throughout my career, I've immolated a lot of his thought process. That's cool. But in 2000, one, I found myself leaving a corporation mm-hmm. and going on my own. And I remember the first month we had four funerals in a month. Like my wife and I went out for a lobster dinner. It was incredible. <laughs> um, and But we kept growing and I'm a very impatient person. Uh-huh. And so, and my ADD kicks in. So I just wanted to keep expanding not to grow my funeral homes, but to grow my community that I could serve. Right, right. Um, because my idea of success was going to my daughter's softball game and having to shake everybody's hand that I'd served, yeah. you know, all the parents that I had served. That's going cool. to the delicatessen and not being able to sit down for five minutes because I got to hug everybody that I've served <laughs> in the community. I mean, sure. for me, it was all about that high of, showing up at the door at two in the morning, like I was ready for the call dress, you know, yeah. to a T letting the families know I was there. I was never and still not a monetarily driven person, mm-hmm. which is really dangerous for an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because when you don't care about losing it all, you're willing to try anything. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it could serve the family better. Um, so when I opened up, it was strictly, this is me. This is who you get, you know, at two in the morning at eight in the morning at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and we, I was so stubborn about getting to know people. I didn't use register book stands because I wanted to hold the register book and walk around the funeral and have people sign it so I could get FaceTime. Next level. Yeah. 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 But it's so simple. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure you see it in your family's funeral, you see the same people over and over again. You sure do. Yeah. Yeah. So every time, no register stand, I get to walk around, got to say hi to Mr. Smith and, you know, talk about his wife and everything. I mean, like, he just got to know everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I enjoyed that part. But I learned early on what I was saying to the family in a 10 by 10 room was nothing compared to how I was treating their guest. Okay. At the funeral. Okay. That was really... For me, the best time to advertise, to market, mm-hmm. to show the wow factors of what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't invent anything. I just started things up, making sure nobody ever had to touch a door handle at our location. That's I mean, yeah. huge. Yeah. 
that's yeah, but that's not new. It's not new. That's something that my great grandfather was doing, and it's something yeah. that gets lost over time. And it's like it's that little stuff that people are gonna they're gonna notice it. They really are because they're not getting that service. I mean, almost nowhere besides maybe like a very nice restaurant. I mean, why can't we do right. it at our funeral homes? Yeah. So it really it became such a game to me of yeah. trying to predict how this is going to work, and so live streaming videos i mean live streaming the service mm -hmm. was great and it was innovative but for me buying a 300 dollars tv and taking it to the nursing home down the street and saying hey you don't have to bring your people to the services anymore oh. to do that had no idea that with a 300 dollars investment that nursing home started referring everybody to me little things because i offered this service yeah Genius. You know? Genius. Yeah. yeah. So it was always about just finding ways to outdo my competitors. Yep. Yep. Um, when it came to service. Um, and that's just watch what people want. And we were able to do it. That's amazing. So, so, so um, all that was at your funeral home in Dallas. Is that correct? That Dallas and Houston. In Houston. And so what what happened with, with those funeral homes and so, what led you to... Yeah, and I'm sure they're going to watch this and be upset I'm even talking about, but I wanted to go big. Yeah. I felt like I was playing small. I wanted to go big. Okay. So reached out to a group of investors. Yeah. We, we won't call them venture capitalists, but reached out to a group of investors. Sure. And they brought in so much money that I, had, I, I stopped thinking of different ways because we now had money to just spend and sponsor the Houston Rockets. And, right. You know, I mean, do some high-end stuff. Yeah. Um, and it really worked. It really did, but financially was not working the way we thought it would. Uh -huh. And whenever you take on investors, it's a whole new game. It sure is. I mean, you're now responsible for other people's money that they've worked really hard to earn. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and after five years, realized, okay, this isn't going the direction I wanted. And I, and this is hard to admit, but I realized I was the one in the way. Oh, yeah, that's hard. And that is as, you know, here I am, I got this title COO and everything. And I remember it was November 17th, looking around the room going, I'm the problem. I'm the one in the way of growth because I have this in my head. And I'm being so headstrong that I'm not listening to others. What do you think it was? Like, what aspect do you think that you were in the way of? How so? You know, I wanted to hold on to this dream of service and price. Okay. And I was willing to die on that stake that we could somehow figure that out. Yeah. And they were like, you got to figure one direction or the other. This isn't working. Yeah. With both. And I kept fighting them. And I just remember being at the meeting going, oh, my gosh, I'm the problem. Man, you that, know, and that takes some, some insight and some foresight and uh, yeah, look to look inward. I always mm -hmm. love, love thinking about that kind of stuff. It's yeah. Sometimes and you go in a dark place for a year or two. I mean, like you, you just realize, man, what, what just happened? Um, oh. But at the end of the day, I got a funeral director's license in my back pocket. So the worst thing that could happen is I end up doing a job I love. Right, right. Exactly. So really, <laughs> I mean, win-win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, at least if I'm ever sitting around talking to a group of young people, you saying, you know, this is what I did instead of I should have done this or 
don't know what they regret. No way. Yeah. No way. But but that that was a hard lesson. Is sometimes you could be your own enemy. I'm sure. I'm sure. And then did you you went to to Nashville to start your own, or did you go to no. Park Lawn? What was um, that? You know, starting your own business and riding that entrepreneurial train, you're you're seeing it. Yeah, it is the biggest rush of nervousness, excitement, paranoia. Yeah, no Cold sleep. Coaster. Crazy. Yeah, and I'm, no sleep. The nights you get sleep, you're worried about why did I sleep through that? What did I miss? <laughs> um, and I just couldn't do it to myself again. I mean, that is a hard roller coaster. Yeah, it is. It is. And when you get off that ride, it's like I don't want back on. I want to do the job I love. I want to focus on the families. But now my bigger focus as a general manager for Park Lawn is I want to grow other funeral professionals and make sure they're seeing the value they have. No doubt. Yeah. And not become, I mean, when you watch Banfield Veterinary Clinics and Castle Dental and all these places, we could easily get wiped out if we're not watching and so now it's just working with my funeral directors to make sure they understand they are the value that, you know, to each family. And it's not about how many families you meet. It's about how many you serve. Absolutely. It goes back um, to that, you know, how many, how many you help it? You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, I love working with funeral directors now, but I love promoting the profession because. Me too. Me too. We are in a dangerous spot, people. We are. I, I can't tell you my dentist's name. Because I go to this place, there's like eight dentists in the office, and whoever's first available, my hairstylist, you may be able to tell, is usually first available on the day I need a haircut. It's looking very yeah. fresh to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we don't have those personal relationships anymore. We're now buying insurance from a cartoon general or a Geico gecko. <laughs> you know, we're not doing it from stand down the road that we've known for years yeah yeah um so i need funeral professionals to realize we are in that group that could be next it's it's almost every industry has gone that way and right we've done uh, a, a job whether it's great bad medium i don't know we've done a job of keeping it not that way for a long time when everywhere else got scooped up we have yeah. to be aware that there is a possibility and not that it's a bad thing because you can still make that impact and make that difference. It might just be look a little bit differently than it right. did at the beginning of your career. There's no yeah. wrong about that in my opinion. So I always look at the one ads. I always look to see who's hiring, what they got hiring. Yeah. And I started seeing this new thing of non-licensed funeral arranger. Okay. And every time I see it, what my state? heart just breaks. <laughs> yeah, and, and let me tell you, it's in the states that require a license. So how? Oh, well, what happened? Um, how is that possible? Because what they're doing is they're making the funeral director the least important person in the room. They're, they're only there because they have a license in their back pocket. But it may be this other person who's better at sales. Yeah. Meeting the family. Yeah. To upsell. Yeah. 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 So... I know we as funeral directors don't like the word sell, but we are our value. You know, it, it's Picasso's napkin for our embalmers. You know, have you ever heard about Picasso's napkin? No. Tell me about it. La- lady goes into a cafe and sees Pablo Picasso sitting there. And she's like, you know, I hate to bother you, but can you draw a picture of a dog on this napkin for me? And he goes, well, sure. 
five minutes, draws a picture of her dog, hands it to her, and he's like, that'll be $100. Uh-huh. She was like, it took you five minutes. And he's like, no, that took me 30 years. I have heard this. Yes, yes. So we need to start looking. We went to school. We've learned a trade. We see yeah. stuff most people don't see. There is value in what no we No one do. wants to see it either. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just we can't settle and we can't let anybody realize that. And it's, it's up to us with the funeral directors. Man, that is just so well said and so yeah. true that we need to continue to to get better so that way we can do our best for our families, yeah. so that way we can continue to do what we do best. And it exactly. doesn't go a different route. It, it doesn't go down these scary routes that like you're talking about. We we want that security. And that's, I mean, a lot of funeral directors, that's why they do get into this industry is because there is some sense of security because, you know, the job security is a lot probably better than you would find in other industries because it's so stable. It's not consistent, yeah. but it's stable that right. it's going to continue to happen forever and ever and ever. And people like that feeling, but we cannot be complacent in the way that we're doing things. We need to be constantly getting better, doing things that are going to improve ourselves, our funeral homes. It all comes back to the family. It all comes yeah. back to the service. And that's the way we can just do it. So we can just get better. And that's why I love yeah talking about this stuff. I love doing our videos and podcasts and all that stuff because together we can make a huge difference in our whole community. We're not co competitors and, and by any means over the course of time, it's we need to work together on this stuff. And that's what makes the big impact. And that's why we're counting on you at Mortuary Marketing to share our story and to put it out there. Make people I'm, aware. We're trying. Of we're trying out here. That's for sure. Man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on today. This yeah, has been fantastic. I, such a lot of fun. We love your energy. We love your your spirit. You can feel that spirit. And uh, it's that spirit that a lot of us have, uh, the funeral director spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit, those of us that like that business side of things. Yeah. It's, it's such a fun industry to be in because there's so many ways that you can do it. You can you can love the science end. You can love being with families. You can love emotional business. doesn't matter. There's a place for everyone in funeral service. Exactly. We feel that spirit. But Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. What a fun conversation. And I learned a lot. I think our, our listeners will too. All right. I'll see you on TikTok. <laughs> Thank you.